children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Guys, we are so excited to have Kevin Euclid here. He also goes by Uke with us today. Um, Kevin is, amongst many amazing things, a three-time Major League Baseball All-Star, two-times World Series champion, Boston Red Sox Hall of Famer, congrats on wildcard playoff win against the Yankees, <laughs> and recipient of both the Gold Glove Award and American League Hank Aaron Award, best hitter in the league. On top of that, he is on top of that, he is well known for leaving it all in the field every day. Grit, grinder, scrappy, and Johnny Hustle are just a few words that have been used to describe Uke. In retirement, he opened Loma Brewing Company in Los Gatos, California, where he lives with his wife and three children. So welcome, Kevin. Thank you so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Okay, well, we would love to just start out to get for, to, for our audience to get to know you. So I know that you grew up in the Midwest. Tell us about your childhood and how you got into baseball. Yeah, I was born and raised in Cincinnati, Ohio. Uh, my father was from there. Um, and my mom was from Hayden City, West Virginia, which is on the Ohio River and just a little small town. Uh, my parents met um, at General Hospital, it was called, at, by or University of Cincinnati is right now. Um, and yeah, so I, I was very lucky. I, I grew up, uh, you know, with uh, two two brothers, an older and a younger. So I was the middle. Uh, my we lived in a place called Roselawn uh, for the first four or five years of my life. And then we moved out to the town of Montgomery, uh, home of Montgomery and Ribs, for anyone that knows Montgomery and Ribs out there, uh, the famous rib place and barbecue sauce that uh, I still use to this day as my favorite go-to. But, uh, you know, I I was very fortunate to have, uh, you know, parents that you know, were married uh, the whole time and, and supportive and really just pushed us to uh, just – go out there and play in the yard and do all the little things and uh, be supportive of, uh, you know, just the neighborhood vibe. And we, we got after it so much in every different sport we played. I mean, you name it, we played it. It depended on the season. We were playing football. Um, you know, we were playing tackle football. We were playing wiffle ball. We were playing street basketball, roller hockey. Uh, I mean, we did it all soccer. Um, and so my foundation was in soccer and in baseball. I went later on to play football when I was in eighth grade. Uh, so I made the transition from soccer to football in eighth grade and freshman year. Uh, I stopped after my freshman year of football. Uh, Ohio football's a little crazy, and they weren't happy that my summer baseball went into football practices. Uh, so they made me run a little bit too much. And so I was like, hey, listen, I'm a baseball player. I love baseball. I love football. But if I have to choose, I'm choosing baseball. Um, Looking back, it was a good decision. Uh, I still regret not playing football, but it was also one of those things where I, we were kind of uh, <laughs> at differences, uh, some of the coaching staff. Um, and still to this day, I, <laughs> that's a whole other story we'll talk about. But um, yeah, so that was my childhood, really uh, going to Sycamore. I was in the Sycamore School District uh, for anyone there from Cincinnati, but uh, and graduated from Sycamore and went to University of Cincinnati on a on a small scholarship that later turned into uh, a full tuition. So it was like a half scholarship uh, and played four years and got drafted by the Boston Red Sox uh, in the eighth round of my senior year. So I didn't get drafted my junior year like most people uh, and got $12,000. 
And as my dad always would say, Kevin would have signed for a six pack of beer. And that was true. Oh, I love it. So did you go into college with the goal to play in the major league? Like that's where you knew you were heading? No, I mean, it was definitely, it's, it's definitely a dream since I was a little kid. Um, and okay. I think one of the things that I always speak about is I was so focused and determined and very intense about being great every single day and trying to win. I hated losing anything. Um, so that competitive nature was always in the moment. And, you know, I think there's endless amounts of books, Instagram posts daily about being mindful of this mm-hmm. and being in the moment. And it's pretty interesting how athletes kind of transcended a lot of that um, ideology um, without even thinking through it. I mean, it was more like hey, totally. you're, you're very focused and you're doing a task. You realize, you know, the, the ones that do it the best consistently over time are the ones that are always focused in the moment and then are just trying to get better and better. So for me, my, I, I literally tell the story was I was on the freshman baseball team in high school. I wanted to make JV. And then it was JV. I wanted to make varsity. And then I wanted to go to division one to play baseball. Cause that was the highest level of college baseball. And I was very fortunate that it was Cincinnati or Butler university. I didn't really have any other options. Those are the only two schools that really wanted me. Um, so it was, it was a really difficult time in that sense of not, not being wanted. Um, but it was mm. the perfect fit at Cincinnati. So I didn't know. I just wanted to play at University of Cincinnati. Uh, funny story was I wasn't even supposed to start my freshman year. Um, and uh, there was another player that they liked more. Uh, but then I outplayed that person and showed them that I should play every day. And I played, Boom. Yeah, I played every single pitch of my college career. I didn't miss one pitch. So for my freshman year, first game wow. to my last year, my senior year, I played in every single pitch and every single game. Wow, that's amazing. <laughs> Let's actually fast forward a little bit. And I would love for you to actually paint a picture of what it is like to be a major league baseball player. Because I think that when people up and coming can can have that vision of what it's actually like, um, that can be really powerful for them to be able to visualize what, you know, if that's something they want in the future. So what was it like? Well, I, I I mean, it's the time of your life. I mean, when you first get called up, you're you're living a dream. Your 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 feet are not on the ground. Uh, you you're, you're just in amazement of all the people around you. There's going to be players on your team that you've looked up to that are veteran players, and you're su- super excited to be around them. You're nervous, a lot of emotions, a lot of you know. You're young, you know. And uh, I was very lucky when I got called up. I was 24. Yeah, I was 25 years old. So my, I guess my brain was fully developed, uh, I hope, um, where some guys don't have that luxury. They're very young. Uh, but I, I think that's, first and foremost, it's a job. It is a full-time job. Every single day, you are working to achieve something. And everyone always says, oh, it's just a kid's game. Being a Major League Baseball player is not a kid's game. It's a full-time job. You're a full, you have, you have so much scrutiny now with social media and and just so many things out there that it is a full-time gig. And if you're not prepared every single day to bring it, you're not going to have a chance to stay at that level. There's another level below you at AAA that you will get sent down to if you don't bring it. So, um, the, the, you know, the fanfare is awesome when you're playing. It's a little different off the field. You know, you're a target. People are looking at you in different ways. As much as there's the fans that really want you to do well and they're excited, there's also people that are trying to bring you down. So for what I always say is um, it, it, it looks like it's the, it's the, you know, it's the easiest thing just to go out there and do it. But there's a reason why there's only so many guys that have ever had the chance to play at the major league level. 
is because they're determined, they're focused, and they're always willing to adjust and get better. How did you, when you talked about the people trying to bring you down, did you have any tricks mentally that helped shield you from that? Or were you the kind of guy that liked to prove people wrong? Tell us more about how you dealt with that. Yeah, I, I was a big chip on the shoulder guy. I got told my whole life that I wasn't good enough. Uh, like I said, going back to college, no one really wanted me. They said I was too chubby. I was too fat. I was too this, that. I, w- I was unorthodox. I was, there was always a label put on you. And the funny thing is, is when labels are put upon you, you can either buy into it and just put in, you can follow that and not chase your dreams because somebody just puts you in that box or you can figure out a way to get out of that box. And I got out of that box and I just went out there and competed every single day with a chip on my shoulder to prove people wrong. Um, but it's also mm. a detriment. You have to be very, you have to be very careful with a chip on your shoulder. It can also take you in a different direction. Um, it can it can be tough on relationships, uh, you know, with different people at times because you're so like intense about like trying to prove people wrong that you have to be like, oh, wait, wait, hold on. It's not baseball. <laughs> this is off the field too. So I think for me, I had a huge chip on my shoulder. Um, there's a lot of players out there. That's the reason they get to the major leagues is because they have a chip on their shoulder. But a lot of it has to be internal too and in how you uh, embrace it and understand it. Uh, but I loved it. I love the haters. Um, I used to, like, for the fans that were the haters, uh, when you play the opposition, uh, there's nothing – there's two things in, in sports. There's no greater feeling than having the crowd roar and having the crowd go silent. And that's my favorite thing. And what I call it when a fan talks a lot of smack and you do something great, it, you know, for me, it was, I, I call it uh, – it's an aha moment. It's athletes, haters, adrenaline. The haters, if, if they give you more adrenaline – and you can harness that adrenaline, you're going to become a great player. I'm going to write that down. <laughs> no, that's amazing. So actually, in addition to that, I know that you've talked about how really, if you're looking at the difference between really making it to the major leagues to, you know, making it on a AAA team or, or whatever, it really, same talent, but it really comes to mindset. And I've seen it already in our 10-year-old, how mindset can be can take them down. And I, and, you know, Rowie and I actually were, um, grew up as athletes too. We both, um, went to college for ski racing. So definitely we know the mindset part makes a big difference, but I feel like baseball honestly is even like the next level when it comes to mental. And I don't know if it's because you have such a short period of time that you actually get to, I don't know what it is, but it seems like it really can take people out. So how, how did you, um, like, what are some major things that really helps you kind of get your mindset to that, to help you get to that next level? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, baseball is a very interesting sport. There's, there's standing around a lot of times there's reflection. Uh, you have a bat at bat, you don't get up for eight more hitters. So you got to wait, you know, football, basketball, you're in on a play. You, you had that opportunity to do something, uh, you know, soccer, same thing. Uh, it's quick. It's, it, there's things that can happen in a split second. So you're always focused on different things. In baseball, you get out, you got to go sit down on the bench, cheer on your teammate, but you're still focusing and thinking through like, what can I do different? What, you know, what did I do right? Um, so the mental grind is a huge part of baseball. There's a lot of thoughts. There's a lot of negative thoughts that can lead you down a very bad path. Uh, so, you know, I think the key to having the mindfulness in baseball is really just trying to like I always I always explain this to young players is learn yourself. Learn what you do well. Stop worrying so much about trying to be someone else. You can 
mimic someone else. You can try to want to be something. But if that person doesn't if that person doesn't have the same attributes or the same muscle movements or body patterns that you have, you're just you're going down the wrong path. So first and foremost, you have to learn your body, learn how it works. And through that, then it's the mindfulness. It's understanding what you make a certain movement pattern that is off-putting to what you're trying to do. You gotta go through your process, go through all the things you know how to do, and you gotta revert back quickly. You get what five seconds or so, maybe or maybe maybe about ten seconds in between pitches to figure out what you're gonna do next, and then you gotta decide in a reactionary time of less than what you know. It's, I don't even know the, the amount of seconds it is for that next pitch to come, and that is one of the hardest things. And you can trick yourself, and you can also talk. Like so, I tell people you can talk yourself out of something, good and bad, <laughs> and that's the hard part of baseball is. You can like be like, okay, he's gonna throw me a curveball here. And next thing you know, it's a fastball, and you're like, oh my god! And now you call it the little man uh, on your shoulder, and the little man on your shoulder uh, can be a bad thing at times. So you have to knock that little man off your shoulder. You have to think through good positive thoughts, and the other, and, and, and going on top of the good positive thoughts is keep it very small. Too many analytical things going through your head as a baseball player takes you down all kinds of avenues. And, and next thing you know, you're not even focused on seeing the baseball. Um, and we've all been there as baseball players. And, uh, you know, like I said, you just got to kick that little man off your shoulder. Mm, I like that analogy. That's just good life lessons for any human, right? Not even an athlete. I love it. Did you have any, do you remember if you had any specific words that you would tell yourself? You know, you talked about your thoughts. What about your words? Yeah, <laughs> I had some negative ones towards <laughs> myself too. Um, yeah. Like, this is good to hear, though. You're not perfect, you know, but you still made it. Oh, yeah. I'm very imperfect. And I, I'm the first one to that. Um, it'd be like swing the damn bat, and I call myself a bad name. Um, <laughs> or, you know, it's like, why are you swinging at that? Or, you know, um, you know, for me, a lot of times uh, there was there was cues. Every, everyone, every baseball hitter has a cue. And so for me, it was like if I felt myself jumping, it was like stay back. And I would just tell myself stay back, but then I would hit my hip. I would hit my hip on my backside to like tell myself to stay back. Um, so it was the auditory and it was the physical. So I would tell myself and then I would hit and, um, or it'd be like, I would, you know, I would tell myself like, you know, take a deep breath, calm down, you know, take, you know, be in the moment, have that breath. So it'd be like, okay, like when things started racing, there's nothing better than your breath. Um, you know, we didn't have the the meditation, the mindfulness and all that stuff, but we were doing it. You know, we didn't even know we were doing it in a lot of ways. And uh, now it's just so much easier for this younger generation because there's so much more information on how to take that. But I think, I think the number one thought process is when you're in the field and you, you boot a ball, you make an error. The next thought is always a negative thought. And the hard part is telling yourself, I want the next ball hit to me because you just got the ball hit to you. You had a negative thing and you're like, oh my God, I don't want this hit to me again because I don't want to make the same mistake. Well, as a great athlete, you got to say, all right, what did I do wrong? How do I make that adjustment? And now I got to have those thoughts in my head like, oh, move your feet more. Come get the ball. You know, go to your left, you know, drop step. All these thoughts about what you should have done bring it into a positive mindset of what you would do next time if the ball's hit you in that same fat in, in the same fashion. 
And so for me, that was always my talking point. like, move your feet or, hey, like, you got to come get that ball. And then trying to move on, like, okay, hit me the ball. Like, I got this. I got this. Um, but there were a couple of days where it was like, don't hit me the ball. Hit it over that way. And uh, <laughs> not, the, not the greatest mindset, but we all have it. And it's part of being an athlete. I love it. Did you have, did you work with sports psychologists while you were playing or did you just come up with these things kind of by trial and error? We had, we had sports psychologists. We were very lucky in the, in the Red Sox organization. Uh, we had one when I was, uh, you know, uh, Doug Gardner was our first one in the minor leagues uh, who talked with us and worked with us on stuff. It was very revolutionary back then. Um, and then Don Kalkstein, um, who's also with the Dallas, Ma- uh, the Dallas Mavericks, the basketball team, he was with us too. And I, you know, I, I don't know if he's still doing it with the Rangers. I know he's with the Mavericks still, but he was also a, a good guy to sit down and talk to. And, um, you know, a lot of times it's just the conversation, right? It's, it's somebody to just throw, <laughs> throw all the baggage out and being in, in the trust tree. Uh, I think that's the, the key to it. And, you know, as athletes, we always feel like, you know, we, you know, we're just always like, oh, no, no, that's, that's weak-minded. That's, you know, oh, no, no, like I got to be tough. I got to be, you know, I got to be mentally strong. And it's always talked about. You got to be mentally tough. You got to be mentally strong. Well, being mentally strong and tough is not always about just, you know, gutting your, like just, you know, gritting your way through it. Sometimes you have to just release it all out. And when you release all that weight out, sometimes you feel so much lighter. Um, and I think that's the that's the role of a sports psychologist too. Is not only to talk about in the moment on the field, but it's also just in life in general. Because sometimes your stuff off the field is your biggest detriment. It's not even actually what you're doing on the field. Being vulnerable with your own fears. That uh, the fear, and, and the weird one is fear of being great. Some some athletes have a fear of being a superstar. Hmm. Let, let's talk about that for a little bit. Cause I was, um, telling my husband that we were interviewing you today and I was, I've been really excited, like just researching you a little bit, like an amazing life, really interesting guy. And I said to him, I was like, how come we've never got our kids into baseball? Um, we're into like less traditional sports. I'm like, it look, it just seems like a really cool culture and a cool sport. And he's like, oh, no one ever makes it in baseball. It's too hard. That is a hard sport. And I was like, but wait a second. What do you mean no one ever makes it? Someone's got to make it. Um, and I know, April, you, Jet, gets told that all the time, right? Yeah, it drives me crazy because people will say, because, you know, he's so little and he just, they have these big dreams and they haven't been crushed yet, you know, and I can just see it already throughout the day, not the day, but like over time where people will be like, oh, why would you even try? Nobody makes it. And I'm like, why would you say that to to anybody? And like, I'm sure that you got said that, right? Like, how did you deal with that? Or what did you, what, what got you through that? Well, you have to evaluate who is saying these things. Yes. They're never the people that actually did it, right? Like, love that. So true. Most of the scouts never even played minor league baseball. They never played at the highest levels, but they're scouts. Like, okay, you're telling me I'm not this, this, and this. What do you do? <laughs> you know, how, how far did you make it? How do you know what it is? Well, maybe you are good at reading, you know, and maybe they are great scouts because they have a good eye and they have a good feel and an understanding of personality traits, and which is a big part of becoming a professional athlete. But people want to hate on things they have no idea about. I'm in the restaurant industry. People tell me all the time, you need to do this, this, and this. I'm like, it's not that easy. You know, um, I wish we could do this. I wish we could do that. We can't do this. We can't do that because we have to do this. And so it's the same thing in sports. I never, so the bottom line is this as a parent, 
you have to be real as a parent and understanding of who cares if your kid goes pro or not. If you're caring about your kid going pro, your focus and your mindset is completely wrong about what youth sports should be about. Youth sports are a great foundation for children to learn how to fail, learn how to succeed, and learn how to play on a team. And through that, you want them to fail because through the failures, they learn far more things than if they went undefeated in a season and dominated, right? Every, you know, the, the crazy dad coach just like, oh, I got five trophies here and I want all these trips. Great. Ten years from now, it won't matter. Did your kid grow as a human being? Did he succeed? Because guess what? He's probably not going to make it, which is okay. But stop telling kids, you know, never cut a kid's dream off. It will naturally happen over time, right? And maybe it won't happen. Maybe that person will be somebody like myself that got talked about all the time and made it. But I would never tell a kid. The only thing I do tell a kid is this. Be the best you can on and off the field. Compete in the classroom like you compete on the field. If you're a great athlete, be a great student. You can be a better student every single day if you want it because guess what? Baseball will end. It might end when you're 18. It might end when you're 35 years old. But there's a whole life after being 35 years old where education can give you better things in the end. You can't just sit on your butt when you're 35 years old and retired as a professional athlete. Some people do it, but they get themselves in a lot of trouble. So for me, with kids, always tell them, hey, you have dreams, you have goals, keep doing it, keep having fun. But in order to make it to the highest level, you got to love the sport more than anything. Too many people, I always say parents are the detriment of their kids' path higher and higher and higher. They are more detrimental than they are helpful a lot of times. And it's because... Their, their attitude is about, I want my kid to play Division One sports. I want my kid to go pro. No, you should want your kid to be out there having fun, learning the sport, and being a good teammate. And the rest will happen over time. Oh, my gosh. This is gold because we talk about this all the time. It's not – we don't do – all these sports and compete in all these sports because we're trying to X, Y, and Z. I mean, Jet has his own dreams. He's 10. I love, I love that he's a dreamer and I'll support that. But us as a parents, we do it for the process because I am such a big believer in who people become by competing, by being part of a team as young athletes. And you just said that so like that was you amazing. Nailed so it. Nailed yeah. it. <laughs> I love it. Do, do you, um, you know, you mentioned life after baseball. I, uh, what do you think? You, you know, in your journey as a pro player, what do you think's helped you be an entrepreneur? Like, are there some key things that have transferred? Yeah, first and foremost, um, you know, baseball is a game of failure. Uh, you know, we, we failed more than we succeeded, and we were great. <laughs> it's the weirdest thing in uh, baseball. But uh, it's one of the only sports where you fail that much to succeed. Um, in the field, if you can't have a batting average of 300 in the field. You have to be in the 900s. Uh, the very high 900s to be a good fielder. So we succeeded more in the field than we failed at, you know, at bat. But I think that was the best thing was, hey, you're going to get knocked down. You're going to get knocked down in business. Everyone does. And the, and the greatest uh, entrepreneurs, the greatest people that have been, you know, the most successful in a business have failed in many different ways. But no one ever talks about those failures. For some reason, everyone wants to only talk about the successes like, uh, you know, Bill Gates is this many billions. He's at this many billions. 
Well, that, that doesn't even tell the story. You know, the story needs to be told from day one where there were failures and not just all the successes. And I think that's the greatest thing that you learn as an athlete. And I tell this to major league players that um, you maybe had a little bit cup of, you know, tea in the major leagues, didn't get a lot of time. And so now they have to work it, you know, every day. I said, you, you should be knocking down doors because, you know, don't feel like you're not capable of taking on these jobs. You have so many attributes of work ethic. You had to show up every single day, right? Any weekends off. You worked in the minor leagues. You've got two days off a month. So for five months, you showed up every single day. And that, and that day you didn't show up, you were traveling on a bus somewhere or flying somewhere. Um, and you, it, it's work ethic. It's adaptability. You had to learn on the fly all the time and adapt during a baseball game. And, and the big thing is, is not being scared to fail. You know, failure is a part of all business. And I think those attributes are huge when you just move into, you know, the, the professional world after baseball. Well, speaking of speaking of the grind of baseball, um, did you ever want to quit or did you always just love it? I always loved it. But uh, at the end, you know, the reason I retired was because my body was just beat up. I had you know, many, sur- you know, handful of surgeries, um, or less, I'm trying to figure out how many I had, but, um, but yeah, it was, my body broke down and, uh, uh I didn't want to go back to spring training. Uh, everyone quits. <laughs> I always say the reason people quit playing a sport is because they have to prepare for spring training and spring training is such a grind. and so hard that you're just like, you know what? I'm good. If I could just show up day one and we could start playing games and I could be in good shape and ready to play then I'm good. But six weeks of uh, spring training is, is tough and a lot of work with the full season right after it. So um, yeah, it was, it was, I was done after, after that, but no, I, I never wanted to quit baseball um, until the very end. You know what um, I find uh, people say is what's hard sometimes about being like a professional athlete in a sport like baseball is that when you're done, you don't really get to go out and play anymore. Like you don't, you know, for us, we're skiers. So we still get to like, we don't ski race anymore, but we just get to go skiing. Like it's, you don't get to just like go out with your buddies. And I mean, maybe you can do like, anyway, is that hard or do you miss it? Like getting out there and when you're watching, are you like, Oh, I wish we could get out there and just play a game. (laughs) Yeah. People ask me to play softball and stuff like that. I'm like, I'm sorry guys. I was like, this doesn't do This is, this doesn't do anything and no offense. Like, I think it's great. You guys are, you know, the camaraderie and all that. I mean, you missed that part, but you know, if I hit a ball and I hurt somebody, then, then I feel bad. Right. Or if, uh, you know, like things like it, it's just the competitive juices don't fly anymore in that way. Uh, so for me, like if I could hit batting practice or take ground balls, I think that's fun, um, in a lot of ways, but you know, it's hard to do. And, you know, for me, my, I've moved on to the next phase of my life of passing, you know, like my kids. So now like my kids, it's about my kids and allowing them to play the sport. Um, and I had a great run. So, uh, yeah, baseball is one of those sports you, you really don't, I don't know. It's funny. Like everyone's like, Hey, you can still go hit. Couldn't you? I'm like, I don't think so. I was like, it's going to take me a couple, <laughs> couple weeks at least to time up a pitcher, but I don't even know if I can still do it. Oh, so good. It must, uh, you know, it must be so satisfying to look back on your career and just be like, I did it. I did it against all odds. I mean, I read some really mean things people said about you online about, you know, not being cut out for it. How does that, um, yeah, feel now? And actually two questions. 
who was the person? Like, was there one person that just poured belief into you endlessly? Yeah. Well, my parents, my parents were super supportive. They showed up to a lot of games. Um, you know, my, my father was, you know, my father and mother were my biggest fans. Um, but there was a lot of coaches along the way that really believed in me and they didn't want to hear anything. You know, they're just like, no, this guy's got it. He's got the, you know, he's got the factor that you need and it's the will and the determination and love of the game. Uh, if you love the game, if you're determined, if you, if you're willing to learn all the nuances, I, I think the younger generation is moving away from that. Um, and that's the only thing I stress to all young kids is anyone can sit there and try to hit home runs. Anyone can sit there and try to make all the, the, the great plays. But what makes somebody a really, really good ball player is the littlest things. And that's what I teach is, hey, work on the little things, work on base running, work on the things that aren't exciting. Um, you know, so, but for me, the, the, the biggest supporters in my life were my parents and, uh, you know, all the nasty things people said, best thing is, is their, it's their quote. And guess what? They got to eat it. I love it. I think that brings it back to what you were saying earlier about how um, that almost like drove you a little bit and and fired you up. And I can totally see that. It's almost like the haters are going to hate and they almost are there. Like if you really spin it, they could actually be your biggest blessing because they're the ones that push you the most. So it sounds like you <laughs> took that and ran with it. I, I believe with anything you do in life, when people tell you, um, you know, you're not good enough or you're not this or not that. You can either you, you there's two there's only two ways that's it you either you either buy into it and you talk negatively about yourself and you believe that or you or you totally just you know give them give them the five fingers the face and just you know push them aside you know I don't want to hear that because I'm moving in this direction you can stay in your negativity over there about what you think in life and I'm gonna go and just keep trying to pursue my dreams and guess what you might not get it there too guess what you gave everything you had. And that's in the end, that is a win because most people won't go to the final depth or, you know, the, the final step or the, the depths of what their dream is. And I mean, that's, that's so true. You see that in life too. That's kind of what you were talking about too. Um, just that and that, how that can pour over and those lessons that you learn just by doing that and failing forward and not letting that take you out. So I love it. Um, if you could go back and, and tell your 10 year old self something, um, any advice, what would you tell your 10 year old self? <laughs> uh, wow. There's, there's a lot of things I tell myself at 10 years old. Uh, confidence, you know, just be like, Hey, have confidence in yourself. Um, you know, it's one of the most, uh, you know, greatest, greatest qualities and greatest traits, um, you know, whether it be in sports, um, but also to be humble, right? Like humble was never the problem. Um, it's being confidence, like, or sorry, having confidence while staying humble. And that is a hard balance for a lot of people, but it's also a hard balance for, you know, there's a lot of very confident, cocky athletes that come across as negative, but guess what? They go out there and they compete and they're really good at what they do because they have that, 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 that confidence and cockiness. You don't want arrogance, but you want confidence. Um, and that was something I, I lacked in a lot of ways because I did listen to people about certain things, you know, I mean, people, you know, when you're young, people say some nasty stuff and, uh, you know, one of those things is, you know, I, I would have had an easier time even off the field, like even, like relationships with uh, women, like having more confidence, like understand that, like what a like what a woman likes more than you know just looks. It's like, can you talk? Can you be funny? Can you make this person feel you know? 
all those things aren't ingrained to young boys either. Um, you know, it's all about, I don't know. And that, I think that's where the society goes in a lot of directions. Is, is he good looking? Is he, you know, is she good looking? You know, it's all about that. But in the grand scheme of it, it doesn't really matter. Confident people. And I, I always joked around. There's always like, oh, why is that guy with that girl? I'm like, because he's probably confident and he's probably making her laugh. And you know what? You just don't get it. <laughs> exactly. So that's I why I tell my 10 year old. Oh, I love it. I love Such it. Such good advice. <laughs> okay. Couple more questions because I know we don't we don't want to take too much of your time, but um, we'd love. I know I've heard you talk about how important it is for especially young athletes to do multiple sports and how it's not good to specialize so young. I'd love for you to kind of just talk about that because I think that is really important to to share, especially this, these days, right? Well, hundred percent these days. Um, you know, youth sports is a big grab. Uh, it's a big money grab. There's a lot of coaches out there. Look at their resumes. Ask questions. Parents. Why is this person saying they're the best of the best and in, in whatever they're doing? Um, how, do, how do you know? How do you know why they're the best? And why are you paying so much money for your kid to you know, play on this team and not get any playing time? And is there a better option? Uh, but for me, the big thing about playing multiple sports is it's scientifically proven that it's healthier for you. Ask any, you know, ask any physical therapist, ask any orthopedic. They all will tell you different muscle movements is the key to stronger and healthier kids yes your kid can get hurt in a certain sport yes your kid can you know get into these all these problems but it's like it, it's proven you need rest in certain sports you need different muscle movements uh, i love teaching kids how to play soccer when they're younger because they're it's a lot of footwork you know get your feet moving in different directions because it applies to all, all other sports you're going to play um so I, I really just stress let kids be kids let kids be experimental uh, like um, I don't know the best way to put it, but let them experience all kinds of sports to see what they really love. Because if you're forcing them down a path, you, there might be another option for them that they love another sport and that can take them in a, in a direction that they love. Don't let your like wants and needs overtake your child's wants and needs. And I think that's a hard part that a lot of parents have. Yeah, no, I think it's, it is hard. Um, it's a, it's the way sports are. I mean, even from when I was a kid, it's just, it's changing so much and you, it's hard not to get caught up in it sometimes, you know, but, um, yeah, I love that. I love hearing that from your perspective. Um, okay. Um, what would, um, can you tell us what does champion mean to you? What does being a champion mean to you? Uh, wow. Being a champion. Uh, <laughs> the one thing about being a champion is you have to have luck. You have to have a lot of talent. You have a lot, of, a lot of great things. But there's something that always happens that goes in your way. Um, uh, no matter what champion, if you're not lucky to be a champion. But luck, in some way, at some point, happens. That you, you know, I don't believe in that team wanted it more. They played harder. All those, you know, cliches that people threw out there. It's an easy media thing to say. Oh, that team just wanted it more. What does that mean? I don't get it. Um, no, they went out there, and that day they won. They played better than the opposition. Uh, so for me as a champion, it's just, um, you know, or champions, like a championship team to me is, is a, a group of individuals that find a way to come together and compete day in and day out and sacrifice. Um, they sacrifice the whole season uh, to achieve something amazing at the very end of a season. Um, so for me, it's uh, <laughs> I was very fortunate to have and you know, be around champions um, but you know, it, it's a mindset being, being a champion is a mindset, you know, not everyone has it. That is amazing. Yes. 
a mindset, being a champion of the mindset. I love it. Um, well, tell everybody um, like where they can find you and what you're doing right now. I talk a little bit about um, your business because I know we love it there. <laughs> and I know everybody that I know loves it there. But tell everybody that if you know, if you're coming to visit this area, like what, tell us about it. Yeah. So if you're out in the Bay area, we're, uh, we're in the South Bay, uh, which, which we're 50 minutes South of San Jose on the way to Santa Cruz in a town called Los Gatos. Uh, it's right in the heart of Los Gatos, uh, Loma Brewing Company, uh, lomabrew.com is our website. Uh, you can follow us on Instagram too at Loma Brew, but you know, we, we're just, uh, you know, we, we try to be a fun place that provides really good time for the community. We like to connect with the community, do a lot of good things within the community. Uh, we're, we're working our hardest to do more and more. Sometimes we get, you know, the rain's pulled on us by the town, but we're working on that too. Uh, but yeah, we, we focus on good craft beer and good food that complements uh, craft beer. Uh, we got, you know, great people here that uh, make it, you know, we have a great winning team. We have a team here that loves to be around each other and do great things. So if you're ever in the area, stop by. Um, and yeah, we're, uh, we're, we're actually growing and we're going to be having a production brewery in uh, Manteca, California. So uh, that, that's the other thing too. And it's going to be right by Big League Dreams in Manteca. So if anyone's been to Big League Dreams with their kids, don't worry. Uh, hopefully in 2023, the beginning of 2023, you'll have a place to hang out on the weekend. Uh, that will be a lot of fun and uh, bring a lot of great memories to a lot of travel ball teams. Um, amazing. I just have one request. Can you um, come over to Santa Cruz too? Because we would love to have you. Yeah, we would love, yeah, we would love to be in Santa Cruz. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, there's just so many over there right now. Um, we, we're trying to like go into smaller towns that are less filled, but who knows? You never know. Never say never. I know. Well, there might be a lot here, but we still drive over the hill to to you because you guys are the best. So, oh, so thank, thank you. you so much, you guys, um, for listening. And thank you, Kevin, for being here today. We are so grateful for you and um, just can't wait to have all of these young champions listen to all your nuggets really dropped it for us today. We love it. Thank you so yeah, much. You oh, Thanks, Kevin. Yeah.